Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Let's continue our worship in Scripture today. We're going to be reading two, two separate package passages. This one sermon, uh, sermon text, and then we'll have a little background read. So our sermon text today is going to be in Hebrews. It's going to be Hebrews 11, um, 30 through 31. And our background is going to be in Joshua. So you can flip over and put your finger over there. And it's going to be Joshua 6, 8 through 25. So I'll give you just a second to look these up. We'll worship together as we read. And um, we read now the ESV. So we're ready. Okay. Hebrews 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, here's a background text. It's in Joshua 6. We'll read about that event. So Joshua 6, 8 through 25. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priest who were blowing the trumpets and the rest guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets were continually, were blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, then you will shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going around it once. And they came to the camp and spent one night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priest, and he took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the rams horns before the ark of the Lord walked on and they blew the trumpets continually. And the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking um, after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually and the second day, oh, excuse me, and they blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. Now on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourself from the things devoted to destruction. At least when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So, the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went 
up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all the, this is tough. Then they devoted all the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, donkeys with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from these the women and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive, and she has and and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Roger. We're continuing in our series of messages from Hebrews. And we've been in Hebrews 11. I appreciate Roger reading that additional text today to give us a background and and the fullness of what's taking place here. I remind you that Hebrews was written written primarily to uh, believers in Christ, a church there um, that uh, was predominantly made up of people who come to faith in Christ out of uh, a Jewish background. And so he could mention these verses like verses 30 and 31, as he mentions here, and they would immediately be very fully mindful of what was taking place. And again, the theme of the book of Hebrews is consider, we're calling it consider Jesus because he is infinitely greater. And so in the, in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11, remember ultimately he's still pointing to the, the greatness of Christ, the supremacy of of Christ and tying the the faith of these Old Testament saints to show these uh, who have professed faith in Jesus uh, in the New Testament era that uh, that they should continue in their faith in the Lord Jesus, keep their eyes upon Him again, because even these in in the Old Testament were looking ahead to the ultimate promise fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so from verses 30 and 31 and referring back to this Joshua passage today in 6 and also back in chapter 2, we're going to consider a message we've entitled today, Faith Makes the Impossible Possible. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus today. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we do want to praise you today for your faithfulness. And again, we, our hearts have worshiped today as we are so reminded of your great faithfulness. And now, Father, we thank you for the faithfulness, uh, Lord, that you have demonstrated in giving us the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the sufficiency of Jesus for our salvation. We thank you for the, for the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the word of God to enable us uh, to, to walk in, in, with you in an agreement with you and in holiness. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that the word of God, Lord, is, as your word tells us in Hebrews, is, is, is a sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And Lord, we pray today that the word of God, the sword of the spirit will do its work in our heart to, to deal with any sin in our lives, any unfaithfulness in our life or lack of faith in our life. 
And Lord, that we might grow today and be strengthened as, again, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in our faith in you so that we can see you do that what you desire to do in our lives in bringing about what many, what humanly would be impossible, but is not impossible with you. So Lord, speak to hearts today. And Father, you uh, know those today who do not have a relationship with Christ. We pray you'll use the word of God today and the gospel to awaken their heart to their need for Christ, that they might be drawn to Jesus uh, even today and be saved. In Jesus' wonderful name and for his sake, we pray. Amen. Jesus' disciples encountered a family uh, with a demon-possessed son. The disciples uh, tried upon the request of uh, this family, this father, to cast out the demon, but they were unable. Uh, and so they, uh, Jesus uh, came and, and uh, they brought the boy to Jesus again as he instructed them. And, uh, and the father told Jesus, and Jesus responded in Mark 9, 22 and 23. He said, it is often, this demon has often cast him into a fire and into water to destroy him. But if you, Jesus, can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can... All things are possible for one who believes. So Jesus was letting this father know and let us know uh, that, that he was there, that he was able. He's able, as scripture says, to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. And the question was to this man, could he believe? Would he uh, be willing to uh, and able to put his faith and trust in Jesus and what he could do? Through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit. So the, whole, the writer of Hebrews identifies, again, as we're looking through the Hebrew uh, hall of faith, if you will, uh, of identifying uh, two examples for, of faith from Old Testament history, as we see them here in our text. And, and the, the first demonstrates how Joshua and the Hebrew people, uh, children of Israel, faced what we might call an impossible conquest. Uh, that was the impenetrable wall of Jericho. The second example uh, that took place uh, right close in the connection to that, it was what we uh, could be described as uh, an impossible convert. But in both cases, we see in this wonderful example that faith makes the impossible, at least impossible from a human perspective, makes the impossible possible. So consider with me these two wonderful examples. First of all, notice faith makes the possible makes possible the impossible conquest. And again, we see this in verse number 30. And uh, you remember now that the children of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That was not God's original plan. He planned, he planned to take them right on in to the, uh, to the promised land, but because of unbelief, they could not enter in. Uh, Moses had sent 12 spies uh, who, uh, who had 40 years earlier to spy out the land. And, and of course, they saw these great walls of Jericho and, and along with the, the giants in the land. In fact, we read in Numbers 13, it says, And they told him, Moses, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell there in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. So those were the mental pictures that those that younger generation saw. That, that generation of unbelievers, they had to die out. 
uh, their, their children were now getting ready to go in. And uh, the only two spies who were able to, to go among them were Joshua and Caleb. But those mental pictures of the giants and those great walls must have, must have been uh, stuck in their mind all those 40 years as they waited uh, to go in. And now they faced the same seemingly impossible task of conquering the great wall city of Jericho. Archaeologists have, have actually determined that there were two walls, one 12 foot wide and the other six foot and about 30 feet high. So you can imagine the massiveness of these walls. Uh, as we said, Joshua had been one of those uh, 12 spies, he and Caleb, and they were the only two of their generation now that were able to enter in because they believed, they knew God could give them. They said, the Lord has given it to us. Uh, the others did not believe. And so, so now, again, uh, he, they and their family are among them who were entering into the land. Joshua, though his name is not mentioned here in verse 30, he is certainly uh, the leader. Uh, he certainly cast the vision, and he's obeying God. He's received a word from God here, in, in, as we see it in Joshua. And so he is uh, going then to lead the people based on what God has given to him. So I want you with me thinking back to this Joshua 6 passage, and I hope you keep your finger there. We'll make reference to the Joshua 6 uh, passage. But think with me again, uh, four truths about conquering faith. Notice, first of all, about conquering faith, conquering faith is confident. Again, in, in Joshua uh, chapter 6 uh, and verse, uh, verse number 5, Joshua 6 <clears throat> and verse 5 says, And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. God makes it very clear to them what he's going to do. He'd given this word to Joshua. There was no doubt in Joshua's mind. Now, you know, we, uh, if Joshua had been a typical Baptist, you know what he would have done? He would have appointed a study committee. He would have said, let's put a committee together and let's see the feasibility of trying to, uh, uh, to, to penetrate this wall, of overcoming this massive wall around this city, or, uh, or you had to come up with some kind of military strategy, you know, starve out the city, uh, you know, uh, break through the, the, door, the gate or whatever. But no, God had a word for him. God had his own plan. And so he was confident in the word of God. And that ties us back really to Hebrews 11 and, and what God tells us, really a description as well as a definition of what faith is. He said there, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so faith, as sometimes people mistakenly say about faith, it's just a blind leap in the dark. Not at all, brothers and sisters, not at all. Uh, faith is, is, uh, is clear, it's a vision, and it's based on con the conviction of faith in the Word of God. And God had spoken a word to Joshua. He'd given him the word about what he was going to do. And so Joshua's faith was based on the word of God. And if you go back to chapter 5 of Joshua, the captain of the Lord's host had appeared to Joshua. Most believe that to be a, a theophany or Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Christ, where he appeared to him and spoke to him. And very likely in that meeting is when he gave him this word about what he was going to do in, uh, in the children of Israel, preparing them to go in to the promised land. So the faith was confident 
confident because it was God's plan, not Joshua's plan. You see, our plans fail, amen? We, we come up with ideas and, and strategies, and, and they fail, but we can count on the Word of God. It's true. It's right. And, and that's what our faith is solidly founded and based upon. So here they were preparing, and as we've seen, going in and marching around for uh, six days, once a day. They had to, it took them some time to get from Gilgal to Jericho, and then some believe about 30 minutes or so, they would march around that wall. Can you imagine what the citizens of Jericho were thinking as they saw the Israelites marching around that wall, maybe jeering them or making fun of them? What are you crazy Israelis doing? You Israelites, what are you doing? And, uh, but yet God had, as we read, commanded them to remain quiet during this time. And so they couldn't respond. That was tough. Uh, but again, their faith was based and it was confident because it was based on the Word of God today. Where, where's your faith resting today? Are you trusting and confident in the Word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. So faith, conquering faith is confident. Is your faith confident today? Second, notice that conquering, conquering faith is obedient. And again, we see that in, in, there in chapter 6, uh, you know, beginning there uh, in verse 10 and, and seeing how Joshua told the people exactly what they were to do and how they were to uh, march around the wall. And, and so uh, they were to do, they were march around the wall once a day for six days and then on the seventh day, seven times around, 13 times uh, in all, they were to march around this wall. We don't fully know why did God have this plan. That's one of the interesting things about reading the Word of God and, and God's plans. And one of the things you learn as you go through the book of Joshua, and even as you come to the New Testament and see how the Lord Jesus uh, worked in his ministry, uh, he doesn't always do the same thing every time the same way, does he? And, and, and one of the things that does is, first of all, as we see here, one of the reasons I believe he did this was endurance just so the people would be faithful. They would continue. They would endure. Another was dependence on the Lord. Again, uh, they had to depend on God to do uh, because every time they walked around that wall, they looked at those massive walls. I have a feeling when they went back home, on their mind, they were thinking about, how is God going to do this? How is he going to enable us to, these walls are massive. I mean, these people are strong. I mean, these, these are tough, this is a tough enemy. How is God going to do this? And so, you know, they weren't so much encouraged by thinking, we can do this, man. We can take it. Ah, this is nothing. No, they walked away saying, man, we can't do this. If God doesn't come through, we're sunk. And so what this caused them to do every day by seeing these giant walls was to remind them of how desperately they needed God to work. And folks, that's what God does oftentimes by allowing us to be, come up against inconquerable situations in our lives, problems in our life, is just remind us we can't do this apart from God. God's given us so many things he's commanded us, us to do, he's commissioned us to do, like, like, for example, the Great Commission, going into all the world, making disciples of all nations, all people groups. Hey, in and of ourselves, that's impossible. We must depend on the power of God to accomplish what God has commanded us to do. Dependence on the Lord. So again, they knew that they couldn't do this on their own power, but they knew God 
was able. The Ark of the Covenant uh, containing the tablets was right in the midst of them. Uh, it was it's mentioned 11 times. That's not by accident. The Word of God there, the, the symbolic presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant reminding them they must depend on the promises of God. They must depend on the presence of God. And so every day, those, those six days and then that seventh day as they marched around seven times, they were, they were obedient to what God told them to do. You know, sometimes people struggle. Why is this happening in my life? But dear friend, obedience. God says obedience is absolutely essential. To obey is better than sacrifice. Are you living obediently? Is your faith being demonstrated in your life by obedience? Or are you just wanting God to do something for you and you're just kind of trying to do things your own way? Well, the, this wonderful example of Joshua and the children of Israel reminds us of the absolute essential that God expects full obedience. You see, anything but, but uh, immediate obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience, disobedience. Uh, delayed obedience, disobedience. Obedience is fully doing what God has told us to do when he's told us to do it with the right heart attitude. Are you obeying God? Confident, conquering faith is, is obedient faith. But number three, conquering faith is expectant faith. Again, here in, in, in chapter 6 and 15 and 16, the Bible says there, on the seventh day they arose, they rose early on the, at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time when the priest had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So again, they had an expectant faith. One commentary said these, these trumpets they were blowing uh, were ram horns called Jobel, from which we get the word Jubilee. Uh, they were used for celebration, not so much for declaring war, but for celebrating victory. You see, they were celebrating the victory even before it came. That was an expectant faith. They were believing that God was going to do what he said he would do. And when Joshua gave the command, shout for the Lord has given you the city, they were to blow those trumpets and to shout in faith. Kid Hughes says that, that this shout of faith was also a confession of faith. You see, one of the things that is true about us as believers is the Bible tells us that, that we confess our faith, that it's not just words, but it's the confession of our heart. We confess uh, what is true of our heart, and, and so they were confessing their faith by, by shouting to the Lord. What does your confession say about your faith? Do you have an expectant faith? Are you believing God? Are you taking God at his word? Can you shout today? The shout of faith, knowing that God is able and that God is faithful to his word and his promise. But number four, conquering faith is triumphant. One pastor, Stephen Cole, says, each time, as I said, around the city took about 30 minutes to an hour. So the seven times took at least three and a half hours. And then notice chapter 6, verse 20 again. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. That's exactly what the writer says there in Hebrews chapter 11. 
and verse 30, when he says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Imagine those massive walls, possibly as wide as 18 feet wide and 30 feet high, and they just fell down flat. You know what you'd call this, folks? This was a miracle of God. This was something that only God could do, and God did it to the glory of God. The people shouted in faith, and God brought the victory. So I believe we see a beautiful example here of how, again, faith makes possible the impossible conquest. John Gardner wrote, we are faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised at insoluble problems or uh, problems that are unsolvable, if you will. What, What wall seems impossible to conquer in your life? Are you facing a situation, a circumstance, an obstacle in your life that just seems impossible? Let me just mention a few things that it could be and that often it is. Could it be depression in your life? Some people struggle with that obstacle. A health problem in your life? Maybe an addiction in your life? Even pornography or same-sex attraction? Alcohol? Tobacco? Addiction? Maybe it's in your life a financial struggle that you're dealing with. Maybe a a failing marriage, your own, or, or a member of your family or a friend. Well, I want to say to you this morning, whatever that wall is, dear friend, whatever that impossible conquest that you're facing in your life, I want to urge you as a child of God, don't give up. Obey the word of God. Follow the example of Joshua and the people of Israel. Obey God's word. And again, I want to remind you that we're called to keep trusting and to keep on praying. Uh, God is working. And God will either bring down the wall in your life or he can make that wall a platform on which you serve him. God is able. Faith makes possible the impossible conquest. But second, I want you to see in the example of Rahab in verse 31, faith makes possible the impossible conversion. Again, verse 31, we we read that example. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Well, we looked at chapter 6 where where the promise was fulfilled to Rahab. Chapter 2 actually describes what happened and how she came there. You know, most would would expect uh, to find Rahab in the hall of shame, but not in the hall of faith. And almost every time we see Rahab's name mentioned, it also says that uh, Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. Uh, her story, as we said, begins in, in Joshua chapter 2. Before the, uh, the children of Israel marched around Jericho and the walls fell down, the city was destroyed. Joshua had sent two men to spy out the land and, uh, and to, to, to see. And, and again, just like that 40 years prior, not to see whether or not they could take it, but to see what they were going to uh, encounter. And so, um, so they sent these two men in to spy out Jericho and, and uh, see about the walls. And, and uh, uh, perhaps they, they, they went, chose Rahab's house because it would have been a co- common place for travelers and people in and out who would come to her house for lodging and the other amenities. And, uh, and they would be less conspicuous. Um, but someone did recognize them. 
uh, as Israelites, reported it to the king, and soon thereafter sent someone to apprehend them. Uh, Rahab, however, hid the men on the roof of her house, and, uh, and so when they ask about it. She said, well, they were here, but, but I didn't know where they came from, and they left, and if you hurry, you should be able to catch them. Well, she protected the lives of these spies, and God and his people, in turn, protected her and her family. So we see from Rahab a prostitute faith that led to her conversion. So notice with me, if you will, uh, four truths concerning what we call, I'm going to call conversion faith. Notice, first of all, that conversion faith acknowledges God, acknowledges God. Again, after the soldiers left, Rahab went up to the roof and, and, uh, and began to share with them uh, what had brought her to this place. Why would she do something like this? Why would she not turn those, those uh, spies over to the authorities uh, to be destroyed. Uh, after all, they were about to come and destroy her city. Uh, well, obviously, because God was at work. You see, it just wasn't those men who chose Rahab's house. It was God that chose Rahab and her household. And so uh, she, she acknowledged God. And there's several ways we see that. But, but again, she goes back to describe about how 40 years plus prior... Her city, her people, had heard about what had happened back in Egypt. We saw that last week uh, in Hebrews 11. We know, of course, they, they heard about that Red Sea crossing, about how as the children of Israel about to cross the Red Sea, that God had miraculously, their God had miraculously opened the Red Sea. The people of God had crossed over, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the, then the Egyptian army was destroyed. So she and their people had, had understood about God's power and had understood that, that, this, that God could consequently do that same thing to them. And most of the people were very afraid. But she said here in verse 9, I believe it is, I know that the Lord had given you, has given you the land. She also said, the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. So she was acknowledging Yahweh as the only God. Hebrews eleven six, I think, tells us what kind of faith she had. It says, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. She believed that he existed. And praise God, because the work of God, she was now seeking this God. That's where the gospel begins. It begins with God. It begins with acknowledging who he is and that he is the great God and the God before whom we all will stand. Have you acknowledged God today? Have you acknowledged who he is in his great power? But more than just acknowledging who he is, have you sought him, as Hebrews eleven six says, by his work in your heart and life and by his invitation? But not only does conversion faith acknowledge God, Conversion faith expresses need. Again, in Joshua, uh, back to Joshua chapter 2, and uh, in verse uh, number 12, we, uh, we read these words. Hebrews, it says, so, so now then, please swear to me by the Lord, Lord that I have dealt kindly with you. You also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure 
sign, verse 13, that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So again, her heart had been prepared, and she boldly asked that she and her family might be spared from destruction. Again, this illustrates for us, I believe, dear friend, what happens in our lives when, when we hear the gospel. When we, the Bible says again that, that we uh, come to the gospel in repentance and faith and with the spirit of God, uh, by the work of the gospel, we recognize our need for Christ and we acknowledge our need to God. We acknowledge that we're sinners in need of a savior and by his grace and his work in our heart, we turn from our sin. We place our faith in God. We express our need to God uh, for his salvation made possible by Jesus' death on the cross, and we turn, repent of our sin, and place our faith in Christ and Christ alone. Let me ask this morning, have you acknowledged your need to God? Have you expressed your need to God of your, and recognizing your sinfulness and your need for forgiveness that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ? Conversion faith expresses need. But third notice, conversion faith demonstrates obedience. She, uh, she demonstrated faith, we see here, by welcoming and even by protecting these spies from Jer- the Jericho if- officials. And again, we, we read in Joshua uh, 2 uh, and verse 20, she's, they said to her, but if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They had instructed her she was to remain in the house and that she was to tie the scarlet cord in the window that they might recognize her house. So she demonstrated her faith uh, by not only protecting them, but also by, by obeying the instructions. And she immediately put this scarlet rope in the window of her house so that it could be identified. Uh, Kent Hughes uh, points out that the Hebrew word for rope or cord is the same word that is also translated hope in the Hebrew. And and it could have been in this day and time a a sign for a a house of a prostitute. So it was, uh, it was uh, no one therefore suspected her alliance with God's people. But this rope that had been her hope for customers now symbolized her hope in God's promise to deliver her. She also um, had to be certain that she and her family remained in the house. She wasn't saved by her works. She was saved by grace as we all are today, but her faith resulted in obedience. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, not of works. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But he goes on to say in verse 10, We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good works follow, and that's exactly what we see. And there's a demonstration of faith when Jesus has truly transformed our heart and life. Do you demonstrate faith? Is it obvious in your life that you have followed Jesus and Lord and that the evidence of obeying him and obeying his word is evident in your life? Then fourth, I want you to see conversion faith experiences salvation. On day seven, when the 
command was given, as we've read, and the, and the people shouted, and the walls fell down flat. We see that in Joshua 6, to 25. There was a little house built on the wall that did not fall. It was the house and home of Rahab and her family. Uh, a scarlet cord or thread was, was coming from the window of that home. And that was there, again, demonstrating Rahab's faith and her obedience to what God had instructed her through these spies. Uh, you know, I'm sure that when this was happening, that can you imagine that massive wall, the noise from that kind of a wall falling? Uh, and, and just imagine that. Can you imagine what it was like with Rahab and her parents and her family members, brothers and sisters, and probably nieces and nephews, and, and they're all in that house? Rahab, let's go outside and see what's happening. No, no, we must remain in the house. We, we stay here to be, remain safe. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, but, oh, it's, it's terrible. And then, then when the battle began, the cries of, of the people uh, in under, undergoing the judgment of God and destruction, that's terrible. You know, it's frightening, but let's go. No, we must remain. And again, as they remained in the house, they, they remained uh, protected. And again, what a, what a beautiful picture that is of where we are as believers. We are in Christ, and we are safe in him. The Bible re- describes him as our, our ark of safety, and they were safe in the same way we are safe as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were safe, and their faith was in him. And the Bible says here that they, she did not perish with those who were disobedient. Now you may have the King James or New King James that translates this, who, uh, who did not believe. Uh, we says the word means disbelief manifesting itself in disobedience. They didn't believe as she did that Yahweh was God or that he had given them the land. They didn't put their trust in him and therefore they perished. And dear friend, I want you to be reminded today that people perish today because they do not believe. They do not believe the gospel and therefore they do not obey the gospel. Are you here today and and you could be described as one who is perishing? Because you have not believed the gospel. Friend, if you have not believed the gospel, the word of God, of what Jesus has, uh, God has told us about Jesus and how to respond to him in repentance and faith, the Bible says you are perishing. You're still under that condemnation and you will perish because you reject him and you do not believe the gospel. We say that in love and, and plead with you to turn from your sin, to place your faith in Jesus, to surrender to him as Lord. And we remind you of the wonderful promise of the New Testament, John 3, 16, that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And verse 18 says, whoever believes in him, Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And that's exactly why these perished. And that's exactly, on the other hand, why Rahab didn't perish. She did believe. She believed God's promise. She took God's word uh, and, and, and believed him exactly as he had said. 
Well, as a follower of Yahweh, uh, she identified with God's family. The Bible tells us there in Joshua 6, she lived with Israel from that point forward. She became a part, uh, if you will, of the family of God. She identified with them, and she married an Israelite. I believe his name was Salmon. She gave birth to a, to a child called Boaz. Do you remember that story? Some of you who've studied the book of Ruth, yes, would become the, hu- the husband to Ruth. And, uh, and she was the great-great-grandmother to King David. And we know from the line of King David came the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Imagine that. This woman who is over and over again referred to as a prostitute, now a believer in Yahweh God and a part of the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What amazing grace. When the rich young ruler walked away unsaved, unrepentant in Jesus. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. One of the disciples said, well, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Jesus responded, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Dear friend, salvation is a miracle of grace. And every one of us here today, in one sense or another, are Rahabs, okay? Every one of us. You may not have that kind of, this, that kind of notoriety to your name about your sinful past, but all of us have a sinful past, don't we? Because we're all sinners and deserving of hell. And every one of us are just deserving of hell apart from Jesus. Every one of us is an unlikely convert. And most of the time when the Bible, even in the New Testament, refers to Rahab, it refers to her as a harlot. But in reality, that's not because that's what she was anymore. It's just to remind us of the grace of God. Remind us of what amazing grace God has. Because again, dear friend, when her identity completely changed, And when we come to Jesus Christ as Lord, our identity completely changes. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says that when we repent of our sin and place our faith in Jesus and him alone, we we become new creations, new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So I want to say to you several things today in light of this wonderful truth. First of all, the God who can and did save Rahab can save you. Don't say today, oh, you don't know about me. You don't know about my past. You don't know what I've done. Yes, but God does. And the same God who delighted in saving Rahab would delight in saving you. If you're willing to respond to him in repentance of your sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, regardless of whether you are uh, as notorious a sinner as Rahab, you need salvation just as much as Rahab did. When you come to the New Testament, there are two chapters back to back in in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 3, there's a story about a religious man, a leader of the Jews, to whom Jesus said, Do not marvel, Nicodemus, that I say to you, you must be born again. The very next chapter, chapter 4, is a story about another notorious sinful woman 
who had been married five times and was now living with a man, and Jesus changed and saved her as well. You need salvation. You need grace. You need forgiveness. It takes just as much to, to save you as it does, as it did Rahab or anyone else. So don't think because of your good or because you're a church member or because you've been through the waters of baptism or any of those things that you might claim today that everything's okay with you. You must be saved. You must be born again. But thirdly, as believers today, I want to remind you, God is able to save your family member, your friend, your neighbor, your co-worker, and God uses people like you to pray in faith, to share the gospel in faith, and then one day to rejoice over their salvation. So I challenge you today, realize we serve the God who can, who is able. He's able to take that impossible conquest and bring it to pass. He's able to take that person who seems like the, the impossible convert and by the work of his grace, bring them to repentance and faith. Many of you here today could stand and give testimony and say, I was that impossible kind. I was that one who was an unlikely convert. Every one of us are, dear friend. So persevere in faith. Keep praying. Keep proclaiming the gospel. Keep obeying and believe that our God is able. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.